0: If we can start making our way to our seats please we'll get started this morning <laughs> all right good morning good morning it's great to see everybody coming down the home stretch of may Kids, you guys excited about summer? Woo! Parents, you excited about summer? No. <laughs> you know how that goes. Well, we'll talk a little bit about some fun stuff that's coming up for the summer, but I do have a few announcements for today just to let you know what's going on in the life of our body. We're so glad you guys are here this morning. First off, just want to big give a big, big thank you to all of you who came out yesterday to support our teenagers during our car wash as they were raising funds uh, to go to our youth mission camp. We are so grateful for all of you that sacrificed the time and gave uh, so faithfully. And it was just, we had a great time for those three hours washing cars. Um, we were able to raise over $600. dollars woo Very excited. Thank you all for your faithfulness. We had some folks from the community who just drove up and said, hey, we want to help your teenagers, just handed us cash and drove off just a really wonderful time but but uh, speaking to that we also want to say for those of you that may not have come yesterday there is still an opportunity if you want to give to support and to donate to send our kids to this uh, missions camp in hendersonville north carolina it's not just a typical youth camp where it's all games and fun i mean it is fun but it's just not games and teaching and worship but literally every day for three to four hours they're going to go out into the community and serve like in the mission field doing things all over the city of hendersonville in different capacities. So if you still want to give to help support that, you can see me, you can write a check out to Gateway Baptist Church and put Youth Mission Camp at the bottom. Um, but that's going to be available for you to still give up until we leave in June. So uh, just let me know if you're interested in that. But thank you, thank you, thank you for all that came out. We appreciate Kyle. Thank you for you guys and your life group for blessing us with all the the buckets and the all the supplies that we needed because they've done a car wash in the past so it was a real team effort gateway family came together it was really wonderful speaking to that immediately following the service over in the youth room we need those who are going to go on the trip at least one parent and the teenager who's going to go to the youth camp to meet quickly in the youth room immediately after the service for us to get some paperwork done some checks received and so forth. So please do it quickly right after. We'll get in and out of there quickly. So then you can enjoy youth and youth families, a time of fellowship over a lunch, a picnic out here after church, and a kickball tournament that we want to do to welcome the new rising sixth graders into seventh grade, who we are going to see here in a little bit. But to celebrate you all rising up, to be with you guys and welcome you into the youth group and your families this is strictly for the youth group and their families and the rising sixth graders to seventh grade so immediately following the service out here on the campus uh the young adult ministry group thank you so much is going to bless us by cooking hot dogs and to help facilitate the kickball game and just a fellowship with us so we really appreciate the leadership of the young adults and the ministry they're going to help provide us ladies for you couple things coming up this coming friday at 6 30 may 26 ladies It is Bunko. Am I correct? Saying that right? Thank you, guys. Okay. (laughs) I haven't played it. Okay. Ladies Bunko Fellowship at the Jennifer Habercorn's house. Um, All this is on the website, gatewaybaptist.com, under news and events. Uh, An email has already gone out to give some information. Details are on that blog and on Facebook. Uh, RSVP to Mandy Moody or the church office to kind of give the ladies an idea who's coming so they can provide refreshments and things like that just to prepare accordingly. Also, ladies, wonderful opportunity coming up, beginning on Tuesday evenings, May 30th. there's going to be a study of Colossians led by Melinda Crouch. Where are you, Melinda? Oh, she made with? There she is. Melinda's leading this. Um, on Tuesday evenings, May 30th, uh, the website has all the information already. Registration is needed, ladies, because there's going to be limited child care. And we just want to make sure there's enough that we can provide to help you if that is needed. So again, all the details and registration on the website for the study of Colossians for all of you. Men, we're not leaving you out. We're very excited about a summer for the guys to get together. Mike Presley and Grady have been leading this, and they're going to have a schedule and a rotation all throughout the summer for axe throwing, dinners, hikes, baseball game. Just a lot of opportunities to continue to connect in community. Again, details are on the website. And just for the guys to be able to get together. A lot going on. And finally, last but certainly not least, the one, the only, <laughs> Children's Director Molly Moore. To talk to us about the alright
1: you All right. Y'all are crazy. Okay, I'm going to stand on this side for one announcement and then the other. Okay, so I just walked in nursery, and Miss Julia was in there with 17 toddlers. Um, need a little help, if you don't mind. Julia, you're okay. Rest. It's okay. So she looks dazed and confused. She is. Um, So we need some helpers, please. I need you to start praying right now. I need a three-year-old teacher and a kindergarten teacher fairly soon. And on this side of the stage, VBS. Yes, I'm so excited. June 12th through the 16th, VBS. This year we have kind of an exciting new thing. So we're going to offer the upcoming 7th and 8th graders a class on leadership do something a little different there but then our kindergarten here for the nursery workers and through fifth grade we got our classes it's gonna be lots of fun I want you kids to go home today and go did you sign me up did you sign me up did you sign me up yet mom did you sign me up until you're signed up and then we'll be so excited to see you so you're welcome parents again um, and I need, we've got all of our main positions filled, but I need just a sprinkling of helpers. If there's anybody that can help a day or two or whatever, let me know, please, just in the mornings, 830 to noon, if you can help in any way. No prep time, no nothing except coming and loving the kids. Hope to see you all there. Bye.
0: Thank you, Molly. Excited about BBS. All right, let's stand and prepare our hearts to worship the Lord through song. He is worthy of our praise, for He's good and faithful i to just read from Psalm chapter 28, verses 6 through 9. Blessed be the Lord, for he has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exults, and with my song I give thanks to him. The Lord is the strength of his people. He is the saving refuge of his anointed. Oh, save your people and bless your heritage. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. Let's worship him this morning.
2: Mighty Fortress Raise your voice now. No love is greater Who can stand against the If our God is for us Even when I stumble Even when I stumble Even when I fall Even when I turn back Still your love sure, you will not abandon, you will not forsake, you will cheer me on, with never in grace, sing with joy now, our God is full of us, the Father's love is a strong and mighty fortress, raise your voice now, no love is great against us, my God is for us, the high nor depth can separate us, here.
3: God for grace today to turn your eyes to him. Take a minute and offer that as a prayer to the Lord. Father, we have sang some incredible truths about who you are, about your power, about your sovereignty, about your rule, your reign, about your mercy to undeserving sinners like us. So what we've just sung is we know we cannot do apart from your grace. We cannot in our own strength turn our eyes to you. So we ask for grace this day, for your Holy Spirit to be turning our eyes, our hearts, our affections to you and to you alone. I pray today you would increase our wonder of who you are and what you've done for us. We ask it for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We get two special treats here in the service today. Coming up, Molly, we're going to start with our 6th grade promotion. We have a big group of 6th graders moving up to the youth group. So Molly's going to recognize them, and then CJ will come up and recognize our seniors who are moving up to the college group. So Molly, it's all yours.
1: (laughs) All right. Um, So every year... We have a promotion Sunday for the little ones in August. But we go ahead and do a promotion day early on for the sixth graders that are now moving to the youth group so they can enjoy getting to know the, the youth group during the summertime. So we wanna recognize 11 children today that are moving to the youth group. Are you ready, CJ? All right, let's do it. So I'm gonna call your name, if you'll get your Bible, and then just stay on stage for a minute. Is Daryl obedient here? Daryl is a son of Jessica and Ben Bedeant. Robin Glasscock, daughter of Lisa and John. Abigail Habercorn, daughter of Jennifer and Tom. Avery Hathaway, daughter of Angel and Dale. May not be here today. Sable Moody daughter of Mandy and Jeff Eli Mooney daughter oh son of Sarah and Brad Eli I love you dearly someone that looks a little like him Brady Mooney son of Sarah and Brad Sarah Polk daughter of Jessica and Daniel Benjamin Presley son of Amy and Mike, Grady Jeremiah Smith, son of someone we know, Grady Smith, and Cameron Mad Plume Walker, daughter of Tammy and Derek. Oh my goodness, I have known these kids forever. I'm just... I'm trying to be really excited that you're going up to the youth group because I know you guys are so excited. I really, really am excited for you. I'm going to come down here. But I want to tell you guys, we have given you a Bible. It's the ESV translation. So it's what you will hear on Sundays with Grady and probably a lot in the youth group too. Make this your own Bible. Take this, use it as a study Bible as it's intended I was told when I was little I couldn't mark in the Bible, but you really can. So um, make notes, and if God says something to you or God answers a prayer, make a note and date it. Put these things in there so that as you are growing and getting older, that you can look back on things and see God's hand at work in your lives. I really hope that you will all do that and start spending, if you haven't already, start spending some time each day with God in his word because that truly is a lamp to direct you to light up your path. I know a lot of you are campers. You're in the dark. You need a light. Jesus is that light. And if you read his word, you will be guided throughout your lives. Um, He will make your path straight. He will direct you. You won't have a perfect life, but you will have joy in Christ. And I just love each and every one of you. And it's bittersweet to me to watch you get in this next age group, but I'm so excited, and I trust CJ will love and adore you as I have and take good care of you. So let's pray together. I'm going to pray for you guys. And, guys, as usual, I'm going to ask you, if you see a child up here, um, find one, make eye contact, look at a person. Even if you don't remember their name, commit to praying for this child. Commit to pray each week, daily, hopefully. Pray for them. Big transition here, guys. A big time of growth for them. Pray for them. And let's all pray together now. Father God, we are so thankful for each and every child that stands here. And we are so thankful for their families they represent. God, thank you that they have been brought to church time and time again. We pray that the, your word will never get old to them. That they will just learn each lesson in you. That they will read your word. They will trust in you if they haven't already, God, that they will ask you to be the savior of their lives. We pray that that will happen soon and that they'll have a lifetime of serving you. We pray for safety and um, just confidence as they go into this new um, area of life, as they go into this older age group. God, give them confidence to ask questions when they need to. Give them someone that will take them aside and be a good buddy to them so that they can have some accountability as well. And keep this group strong. God, they are good friends, and we're so thankful for that. Help them to continue to grow together in this church and in the body of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
0: We are so, so excited about this group. Molly, I got your stuff. I've, really be- I've been here since 2007, and I think, honestly, in the history of this church, I think this is the largest group we've ever had go from 6th to 7th grade. So I am just thrilled about this group coming up into the youth group. And so we have two more individuals, technically three. Um, one's uh, not feeling well today. We're going to honor him next week. But uh, we're going to honor today two of our seniors graduating, heading into the next phase of their life. So I'd like to ask Piper Bedient and Elena Corey, if they would come up, please, real quickly. Let's welcome these ladies. Very excited about this. Come on up, ladies. <laughs> Jackson Gross is also our third senior. He's not feeling well this morning, so we will recognize him next week. But I uh, just want to recognize these two, and we'll just do it alphabetically. But the first, is Piper obedient. She's been a part of our group for four years now. Her and her family, um, Ben and Jessica, have been with us, and uh, all their siblings. Uh, Piper is graduating from Pike Road High School this May 25th as a recognized member of the National Honor Society. And she will be attending Troy University in the fall, where she has received the Chancellor's Award and the Fitzhugh and Essie Carter Endowment Scholarship. And you're majoring in biology, biology yes want to pursue veterinarian possibly marine science that's awesome that's what i was thinking so i'm um, very excited for you and uh, just i've watched you grow up since you were a little girl and it's just been an honor and privilege and a privilege to see you grow to be the woman of god you are today and we're so excited about your future your dad said you had a study bible we we love blessing some folks with these so with that in mind we've got you a couple good resources to prepare you for college some good theology stuff pastor great i love this one and um this book that a lot have been talking about being called Made for Friendship, as you're going in to build new relationships in school, and leave it to Amazon not to get a book to me this week. Um, one more's coming. So, we got a devotional by Paul David Tripp that we love that we want to bless you with as well. So, we just want to give you these wonderful things. So, I'll be praying for you in a minute. Second, Elena Corey. So excited. She's been with us for two years. Her and her family have been a part of Gateway. is graduating from Ezekiel Academy with, as you can see with her awesome picture, uh, with Alabama 4-H Horse Project honors. She's competed at the Alabama State Horse Show in 22 and 23. Uh, She's progressed to the Southern Regional 4-H Horse Championships in 22, and she'll be competing this August um, in the championships uh, against 11 other states. That's very exciting. Elena's future plans consist of working and interning as an assistant trainer at the Seven Oaks Equestrian Center in Pike Road while she furthers her skills and gains knowledge in the equine industry. She's also working part-time barista, yes, as at the Eliano's Coffee Shop, the new one out there at Pike Road. So go get and enjoy a nice cup of coffee and a little latte. you got to learn the leaf. Talk to my son-in-law, Barrett, can do it. Garrett, he can show you. Do the little leaf. But no, we're really excited. I've got to watch you over the past year to get to know you. It's been a privilege. So young, privileged to see you mature as a woman of God, and the influence you've had with our teenagers, and it's just been an honor. And so we are going to bless you as a good resource with the ESV Study Bible to be able to use as you further whatever the Lord has you do. So you can ride horses and study at the same time. So, so we're very excited about both your futures. You both have been a blessing to our body, and excited about what God's going to do. Let me pray for y'all. Lord, we thank you so much for these two precious girls. We thank you for their lives and the influences they've already had on so many. Within the youth group, within their school settings, with their jobs, all the different places you have them. Lord, I'm always reminded with seniors moving on with Proverbs 16:9, where it says, Man plants his ways, but God, you order our steps. And we thank you that you have directed them. You have guided them to this place and beyond. You've already established what's next. And we just pray, God, that they continue to seek you, to know you, recognizing that each one of them are called to be your ambassador as missionaries in the places you have them go, one at the university campus, the other with horses and working at a a coffee shop and everything else you have Elena going to. But, God, we pray that you continue to use them as salt and light in the environments you're going to send them to so that you will display your glory through them and continue to draw them to yourself as your precious daughters as they get to know you intimately. We thank you for their lives. We celebrate them today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Love you both. (laughs) Well, before Grady comes up, let's just go before the Lord briefly in prayer and just kind of set the tone for him coming. Heavenly Father, we rejoice today. We thank you for just all we get to celebrate. Just a, It's just a buffet of joy, Lord, getting to see these kids, sixth graders going into seventh grade with their new transition in life, with these senior girls transitioning to the next phase of their life as young adults. And we're just so grateful to see your hand at work. And Lord, in that same, same heart and context, Lord, we thank you for all the things we mentioned about what's coming up this summer. With VBS, with the teenagers going to the youth camp, with the men and women gatherings all over. We just pray, God, that as a shepherd to this flock, we pray, Lord, that we value community this summer, that we value and recognize our need for each other to stay in contact with each other, to recognize that we're going to be used by you in a lot of different ways and different scenarios and different settings. God, just guide and direct our steps so we too, just as we prayed over the girls, can be salt and light and your ambassadors in this community, and that we need each other to spend time together to continue to build relationships. So just use us as gateway, as this local congregation, Lord, as you see fit all over our community. And Lord, we lift up today our brothers and sisters at Dalreda Baptist Church across town. Lord, from what I know, my son's a youth pastor there, and they're down to their final two guys that they are bringing forward uh, to possibly be their new pastor. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you continue to guide and direct the uh, search committee and the leadership of that church, that they would recognize the one that you have chosen, not them, the one that you've chosen. They're just recognizing that and acknowledging your choice for Dalry Baptist. So continue to guide and direct their steps over the next few weeks. And Lord, we thank you so much for Taylor and Sarah Fox. Um, he's been a part of our church here for years, he and his wife, and now they're ministering in Strasbourg, Strasbourg France. Um, and has come back many times to communicate as they open up their apartment, their home with their children, to those in their community, college students, young adults, it's a very dark place. And, Lord, they are a lighthouse in that area. And we just pray you continue to open doors for them to be hospitable, to share the gospel, to have people in their home, to disciple young people, Lord, just everything they have their hands into, Lord. We pray that you would bless it and multiply it for the sake of your kingdom. And, Lord, we thank you for your provision. You have blessed us so much. You've given us so much. And we thank you for the offering, just a small portion that we give back to you to facilitate the ministry you desire to do here. We thank you for your provision, Lord, and we just thank you uh, that we can entrust and be good stewards of your resources. And lastly, Lord, we thank you for our pastor. We thank you for Grady and his heart, his desire to teach and to shepherd us. We pray you fill him afresh with your spirit and give him energy, Lord, and discernment and wisdom as he brings your word to us today. God, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. May your Holy Spirit prick us and stir us, convict us, challenge us, enlighten us with your word. We ask all these things by your power and your authority, in Jesus' name, Amen. Well, first and fourth graders, you just missing to kids'
2: worship. So first
4: and fourth graders, yeah,
0: Pastor the they
3: There, going. I want you to find First Peter chapter four in your copy of God's Word. First Peter chapter four this morning. We come today to the very end of chapter 4, so we are in the home stretch of our study. I can see the last page of 1 Peter sitting before me here. But today also comes the end of Peter's section on suffering that we've spent the last several weeks in. And so the topic of suffering has been in every chapter of 1 Peter so far. And yes, we'll see it one more time in our study of chapter 5 in the next two months. But we come to the end today of Peter's longest teaching... On the topic of suffering. And Peter's conclusion to all that he's been saying in this section has an incredible truth for us. Yes, he's going to show us again the reality of suffering, but he's also going to show us incredible hope as we walk through the trials and hardships of suffering. he's going to show us how we live from that place of hope. So this morning we only have one verse, and that's 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 19. As we read this verse this morning, I want you to be looking for what is the source of hope? When we suffer, when you and I face the reality of suffering and trials and hardships in life, what is the source of hope? But then from that, how does that hope change how we live? Peter's getting to, so one short verse will address both. What is our source of hope, and how does having that hope change how we live as we suffer? So as you look for that, we want to read 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 19. Can I ask you to stand in honor of the reading of God's Word? I'll be reading out the English Standard Version, and we will have the words on the screen for you. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse Verse 19, therefore let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Father, we thank you for your word that you've given to us, where you've revealed yourself to us and showed us your character, your nature, your attributes. And I pray today, God, as we talk about you and who you are and how that changes how we walk through the hardships of life, I pray that you would give us hope. Pray you give us all in wonder that we would think about you and that our hearts would be marveling at your greatness and who you are. So do that in our lives, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So one verse this morning, one key truth I want us to unpack this morning. Here's the truth of 1 Peter 4:19 I want us to see today. Simply this, friends. When you suffer, find hope in God's nature. And let that hope lead you to continue to serve him. When you suffer, friends, find hope in the nature of God and the characteristics of God. And let that lead you to continue to suffering, to suffer, or just continue to serve him. Here we see the reality of suffering again. It's a when, not an if. But in the midst of suffering, you see the reality of hope for us here. Let me just remind us, we've said it before, hope is not wishful thinking. Hope in the Bible is a sure confidence in what is to come. And in 1 Peter 4.19, we see that we can have confidence. But it's not in ourselves. It's not in our ability just to cope with the hardships. Our confidence is not in our circumstances changing or our trials going away. Our confidence is found in the nature of God and who He is. And when we find our hope, our confidence in God alone, it will enable us to joyfully continue to serve Him even in the hardships of life. Let's dig into that idea this morning. Let's start again with the reality of suffering in this text. Well, if you've been around Gateway, this is not new to you. In fact, as I look back this week out of curiosity, we're, by the way, this is sermon number 45 in First Peter. Yes, it's taken us 45 weeks to get through four chapters. But out of the 45 sermons in First Peter, 15 of those have dealt with suffering. One-third of this letter... Has it been about suffering? And that was just a big wake-up call to me, thinking about that this week. This is a topic we don't really like to think about, that our minds don't typically go to. Yet one-third of this letter that God in His grace has given to us is to prepare us for the reality of suffering and walking with God through it. As we come to the conclusion of this teaching on suffering, I want to remind you how Peter began this section. Look back at 1 Peter 4, verse 12. He said, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. As if something strange were happening to you. And now will jump ahead to where we are today in the last um, sentence of this paragraph. Therefore, Let those who suffer, verse 19. Notice it says, therefore, in light of everything he has said about suffering since verse 12. He's saying, in other words, because you now know that suffering is normal, because you know that suffering comes with blessing, because you know that suffering is a reality in life, because you know you get a special blessing of God's presence in suffering, because you now know that suffering is nothing to be ashamed of, because you now know that suffering is cause for joy, because you know that and so much more about suffering, therefore, what do we do? He says, therefore, let. Let is an imperative. It is a command for us. He's saying, if let those who suffer, let those who believe in Christ. If you are one who has been loved by God and love him in return, and you now know these truths about suffering, something needs to change in your life. Let something happen. Basically, what Peter is doing is telling us what James told us in James chapter 1, verse 22, where he told us to be doers of the word and not hearers only. He's saying, Peter's given us seven verses of rich teaching about the reality of suffering and God's will for suffering in our lives. And now he's saying, therefore, now let be doers of this truth that you have heard. Live out this truth in your lives. So go back to verse 19. Therefore, let those who suffer. Now, there's a command that follows this, but we're not going to start with that this morning. Because what Peter is doing here for us, friends, is not something we need to try harder to accomplish. This verse is all about who God is and understanding who God is. And from that place of knowing who God is, what overflows is what he calls us to do. So to help guard my own heart and all of our hearts from thinking I'm just going to try harder to live a certain way in suffering, we're going to start not with the command, but with what he tells us about who God is. Because the command is an overflow of understanding the truth here about God. So what do we learn about God in this verse? In fact, we learn three things about God in this verse, three aspects of God's nature. You might call these his attributes, his characteristics, his nature. So what do we learn about the nature of God here? And there's three things. Now, before we start on these three things, I want you to keep two questions in mind as we look at these three things about God. Number one, first question in mind, is this the God that I know? Is this the God that I know? We saw last week the reality that many, many people who think they are okay with God will discover in the last day that they really are not. Because there's many who have a God of their own imagination, a God who does what they want God to do, a God who fits in their box. And praise God in His Word. He stretches us beyond our ideas. And he shows us, He reveals Himself to us here. So as we look about these three attributes of God, ask yourself, is this the God that I know and I believe in? But second question, am I hoping in this part of God's character? Am I hoping in this part of God's character? In other words, it's one thing for us to say up here, yes, I believe that God is, and fill in the blank. But it's another thing for us in our hearts to really feel the weight of that and to let our lives be different because of that and to hope in who he is. So not just, is this the God I know, but also, is this the God I'm hoping in? Do I really, in my heart, embrace this part of God's character and hope in him because of it? So what aspects of God's character do we see here? There's three. Let's start with the first. So, Number one, God is sovereign. God is sovereign. We just sang about this earlier, about God being on his throne, his throne being forever. Friends, God being sovereign simply means God is in control of all things. That includes his wisdom that God knows exactly what should happen all throughout world history. This includes his perfect plans that he actually makes happen what he desires to happen throughout all of world history. And this includes his power as well, that he will bring about those things he desires to bring about. God is sovereign. He's wise. He's perfect. He plans, and he executes those plans in his great power. Now, we love the idea of thinking of God's sovereignty when it means we're getting good things, right? When it means that we're blessed and life is going well... It's what I saw going down the road not telling a person with a very expensive car and their license plate said, blessed. And I was like, well, that's what we often think about God's sovereignty. Good, God gave me all these things. But friends, God's sovereignty is not limited to getting the things that we like. And Peter takes this and he brings in the fact that God's sovereignty is over our very sufferings and hardships and trials as well. This is a tough verse, but notice what he says right here in verse 19. Therefore, let those who suffer, notice this, according to God's will. This word according to in the Greek is a preposition that tells you the reason that something happens. That we suffer because of a certain reason. It says we suffer according to. The reason we suffer, it is the will of God. That means that God in his infinite wisdom knows this is best. That God in his perfect plan has ordained not a life where we get from birth to death in the safest, happiest, easiest, most comfortable, wealthiest way possible. But has ordained a good plan for us that involves hardships. And it means it is God's will and his perfect power to allow this to happen in our life. We suffer according to the reason is the will of God. This is not the first time we've seen that hard truth in this letter. First Peter chapter 2, verse 19. We already saw this some months ago. For this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one into your sorrows while suffering unjustly. Now, if you remember back several months ago with this verse, it literally reads, This is grace. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. That our sufferings and hardships are grace. Grace is God's blessings to us, His undeserved kindness to us, His favor on us. Peter literally says that not just the suffering is God's will, but His grace to us, His blessings to us. So we can put a license plate on our old beat-up car that says blessed as well. We can bless not just when things go the way we want. We are blessed. We have the grace and favor of God even as we suffer. He says the same thing for us in 1st Peter chapter 3 verse 17. If you remember this text from a month or so ago, for it's better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. And if you remember from that sermon, it literally says here this phrase, if the will of God should will Now, Peter's trying to make it very clear that this is a sovereign plan of God. If the will of God should will for us to suffer. And now he brings that together here in verse 19. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will. Now, as I was reading on that this week, one of the authors I read said it so beautifully. This author wrote, All suffering passes through God's hands. All suffering, all the hardships, all the trials that we face pass through God's hand. But God is not up in heaven going, Oops, I didn't see that coming. God has not been in heaven going, okay, that's a mess. How do I fix that now? All suffering comes through God's loving hands. Another author picked up on that theme, and he said it this way. All suffering passes through his hands so that nothing strikes a believer apart from God's loving and sovereign control. Nothing strikes a believer apart from God's loving and sovereign control. God is sovereign. He's wise. He has a perfect plan. He is all-powerful, and that is His sovereignty over all things, including our sufferings. Now, for many who've never studied this part of God's nature, it can sound harsh at first, that God is willing for me to suffer. God is willing for me to not have an easy life. But, friends, it's not harsh. It's actually full of hope for us. So the question for us for this attribute is, how does the truth of God's sovereignty help us when we suffer? How do we find hope in thinking about God's sovereignty over our sufferings? And just one quick answer for that, friends. The sovereignty of God means our sufferings are not meaningless. It means our sufferings, friends, are not pointless. They are not meaningless. And God has a plan for everything, and even our sufferings fit into his perfect plan. So that raises the question, what in the world do sufferings accomplish in the plan of God? Can I suggest three things that we've already seen in First Peter? Number one, they accomplish our own good. Sufferings and hardships bring about good to us. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. In this you rejoice that now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Verse 7. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, that was tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor and the revelation of Christ. That when we suffer, it refines us, it purifies us, it sanctifies us, and it shows us our faith and grows our faith. So sufferings accomplish our good. Sufferings also accomplish the good of the lost. And also God uses our sufferings to point the lost to Christ. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12. We saw this a long time ago. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Friends, When we suffer well for the glory of God, God uses that and draws the lost to himself. So our sufferings are not meaningless. In the hands of a sovereign God, our sufferings do good to us, and they advance the gospel to the lost. But ultimately, our sufferings, number three, they, account, they, they bring glory to God. They bring glory to God. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. Peter writes, For what credit is it when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if you do good and suffer for it, you endure. This is a gracious thing. Here is again. This is grace in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you might follow in his steps. What did Christ come to do? He came to glorify the Father. Everything Christ did was for the glory of the Father. Even the way He suffered, and we are called to follow in His steps and bring glory to God. So, friends, the truth of God's sovereignty means our sufferings and hardships and trials are not pointless. They bring good to us. They bring good to the lost, and they ultimately they glorify God. And so, Peter reminds us and he anchors us here back in verse nineteen. He reminds us that God is sovereign over our sufferings. Therefore, let those who suffer according. To God's will. So, number one, God is sovereign. Number two, God is faithful. God is faithful. Look at verse 19. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will and trust their souls to a faithful creator. And we're going to come back to the command, but right now let's keep on the attributes of God here. He is a faithful creator. And let's start with that word faithful. That God is faithful. What does it mean that God is faithful? It means two things for us. Number one, he's faithful to his promises, that God will always do everything that he has said. He will do. Numbers chapter 23 verse 19 is a beautiful description of that. God is not man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? The answer is if he's spoken, it, he will do it. If he's promised it, he will fulfill it. So God is faithful. If God has promised something, God will do it. Now couple that with the second part of God's faithfulness. Second of all, God is faithful to his people. God is faithful to his people. God put his covenant love on his people and he will not withdraw that. His people will experience his covenant love now and forever. Peter's already told us this, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open To their prayer. It doesn't mean he sees us or hears us, but it means he's with us in a special way, that he is faithful to us, his people. We saw this also in chapter 4, verse 14, just a few weeks ago. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Why? Because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. That when we suffer, God is faithful to us, and his glory and his holy spirit are with us through that. So God is faithful to his promises, God is faithful to his people. How does that help us when we suffer, friends? Two things. One, it reminds us that our sufferings are not God's displeasure. It reminds us our sufferings are not God's displeasure. The enemy loves to get into our minds and to lie to us and say, if you're suffering or facing hardship, see, God is not pleased with you. But sufferings are not God's displeasure. Quite the opposite. Sufferings are the pleasure of God, the favor of God, the goodness of God to grow us his people. So it reminds us our sufferings are not God's displeasure. But second of all, his faithfulness reminds us that he is with us through our sufferings. That he is with us through our sufferings. That we do not walk through our trials alone. That God is with us and is bringing good to us. So Peter anchors us in the truth that God is sovereign and that God is faithful. But one more he shows us here, and that is God is all-powerful. Third attribute he holds up. God is omnipotent. God is all-powerful here. Now this is a fascinating description. He says in verse 19, Entrust your souls to a faithful creator. Now, friends, this is the only place in all scripture that God is called a faithful creator. This is not the normal pairing of words you would see here. You would expect him to say God is a faithful God or is a faithful father or is a faithful savior. There's lots of other things you see paired with faithful. Nowhere else in scripture is faithful and creator paired together. Why in the world did Peter break from normal terminology and describe God as a faithful creator? Why point us back to creation, friends, because he's pointing us back to something that shows us the incredible power of God. He's reminding us that we serve and we know the God who took nothing and made everything. That we serve and know the God who was able to do that with just his words. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. I love this text. In the beginning, God. And God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God God said, Let there be light. And there was light. You keep going through the creation account. God speaks, and things that did not exist come to exist for the first time. And so Peter, with that image in view, takes us back to verse 19 and tells us to entrust our souls to a faithful creator, to entrust our souls to the one who is all powerful. Now, how does remembering the omnipotence of God, the power of God, help us in our suffering? Friends, it reminds us that God has the power to bring us safely through the trials to eternity. That God has the power to get us through all the hardships of this life safely to eternity. Friends, if you think back to the idea of sovereignty, we talk about nations being sovereign over their land. If a nation claims we have sovereignty over our country and they do not have the military power to back it up, that claim is pointless and they'll be the next fallen nation or fallen empire. Sovereignty requires the power to back up that's sovereignty. And when we look at creation, we look at all of we see a God who is all-powerful. Not just says, I am God. Hey, I'm sovereign. I have dominion. It's the God who shows us he actually has the power to enforce his sovereignty and his dominion. The God can do and God will do whatever he desires. Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 17. Ah, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth. Here it is by your great, what? By your great power, yes. And by your outsourced arm, nothing... It's too hard for you, and nothing means nothing. Nothing is too hard for God. The God who spoke the world into being can do whatever he wants to do, and nothing can stop his plan. That means in our sufferings, friends, our sufferings are not all-powerful. God is. That means the people who do us wrong are not all-powerful. God is. That means the persecutions that come to us are not random, haphazard things. God is on his throne. And that means the sufferings in life do not get the last word, God is. Does and because God is all powerful, we can be assured and have the hope that Peter began this letter with that we saw about forty three weeks ago, First Peter chapter one verses three to five. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy, He has caused us. Here's this power word. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection. Here's this power again. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. And because he's all-powerful, it's kept in heaven for you, verse 5, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Peter begins his letter reminding us that God is all-powerful. Therefore, nothing and no one can take our inheritance and eternity away from us. And he's getting close to the end of the letter reminding us that God is the creator and therefore he is all-powerful and nothing can take us away from him. That's that beautiful text you hear me mention often, John chapter 10. Verses 28 and 29, that reminds us, Jesus says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. How can we know that? Because no one will snatch them out of my hand. Verse 29, he carries on. My Father who has given them to me, he's greater than all. He's all-powerful, he's omnipotent. Therefore, because God is all-powerful, no one, not Satan, not all the demons, not all the greatest armies of the world can snatch us out of the Father's hands because he is all-powerful. The same God who created the world with his voice who called us to himself to salvation, who holds us now in our trials, has promised us that he will get us through the trials, through the hardships, to eternity with him, and nothing can stop his plan. So Peter anchors us here in the faithful creator to remind us that God is sovereign, God is faithful, and God is all-powerful. And he calls us to think on those truths. Now, friends, as we think on those truths, those truths make it from our head to our heart, our lives change even as we suffer. What changes Because those trees go from our head to our heart. Two things change. Number one, we hope in Him. If we really, really believe that God is sovereign on His throne, we really believe that God is faithful to His promises and faithful to us, and if we really believe that God is all powerful and nothing can stop His plans, then we will find a hope in Him. (coughs) Excuse me. Now, if you look at our text today, go back to verse 19, He does not use the word hope here, but this this text is all about hope. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will, notice this, and trust their souls. To a faithful creator. Now, this word entrust is a banking term. To entrust means you're giving something of value to someone else to keep it safe. If you're entrusting something you have, you're giving something of value to someone else to keep them safe. You have the hope and the confidence that they can keep it more safe than you. So, friends, If you're like me, I keep my money in a checking account at the bank and not under my bed. Why? Because I'm confident the banks of Montgomery, at least, can keep my money safer than I can keep it myself. All the people who have their money at Daniel's branch are more confident Daniel's branch can keep the money safe than they can keep it in a shoebox in their closet. Right? We entrust the banks. We take something of value to us and we give it to the bank because we're more confident the bank can keep it safe for us than we can ourselves. Now, what are we to entrust here in this text? Verse 19, we're to entrust our souls to a faithful creator. The word soul refers to the whole person, your entire life. We're entrusting our body, our soul, our spirit, all parts of us. We're entrusting our circumstances, our future, our hopes, our dreams, our needs, our desires. We're entrusting everything about our lives to God. We're to have hope and confidence that God can better take care of it than we can ourselves. That God can better take care of our sufferings than we can. That God can better bring us through the trials than we can. That God can better get us to heaven than we can. Why? Because God is sovereign and we are not. Because God is faithful and we are not. Because God is all-powerful and we are not. And so this text is a call not to go try harder to just to kind of just get through the trials of white-knuckle determination. This is a call to remember who God is, and therefore from knowing that, not just here, but in our hearts, to entrust everything about ourselves to the one who has all the wisdom and all the power and all the faithfulness. Fact, that's exactly what Jesus modeled for us. Luke chapter 23, verse 46, as Jesus is on the cross, notice what he says. And Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, "'Father, into your hands I commit my spirit.'" Now this word "commit" is actually in the Greek, the exact same word that Peter uses in our text today for "entrust. "Father, into your hands, I entrust my spirit." And having said that, he breathed his last. But Jesus knew the character, the nature of God, the Father, and so he completely entrusted himself to the Father. Through all of his sufferings, through the cross, he entrusted himself to the Father, which is exactly what Peters already told us Jesus did, First Peter chapter two. Verse 23, one of the most amazing verses in this book on suffering. When he, Jesus, was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he continued, here it is again, entrusting himself to who? To him, the Father who judges justly. The Christ went through great sufferings, but he endured them with joy entrusting everything about himself to the will of the Father. And so Peter calls us to follow the example of Christ here. Go back to verse 19. Therefore, those who suffer according to God's will, entrust, commit, give to God to keep safe their souls to a faithful creator. And friends, this command here to entrust is present tense. You've heard me say this many times. That means this is ongoing day by day by day by day. This is not that, well, I'm having a hard day and I told God, I'm going to let you take this for me. And then you forget about it. This is a day by day, moment by moment, entrusting ourselves to the care of God. Which means it's a day by day by day, moment by moment by moment, reminding ourselves from the Word of God who God is, that He's sovereign, that He is all-wise, that He is all powerful, and that He is faithful. This is a command for us to focus and meditate on the character of God each day, and to from that place trust ourselves and everything about ourselves into His hand. There's two things that that Peter's telling us to do here. As we think about who God is, we're to trust ourselves to him. But there's a second thing he tells us as well. As we remember that God is sovereign, that God is faithful, that God is powerful, that also gives us strength to do what he says at the very end. Notice the very last phrase. Entrust your souls to a faithful creator while doing good. That The more we think about who God is, the more we find strength to serve him, even in the midst of the sufferings. We're told to keep doing good. Now we've seen this before, but in Peter's letter, the talking about good refers to behavior that is Christ-like. He's focused on Christ-like behavior. For example, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 16, you see him use it this way: having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. So good in Peter's letter is Christ-likeness. So we're told here back in verse 19 here that we're, even as we suffer, we're to be trusting God and we're to be doing good. We're to be doing Christ-like things. Now, what would that include? Four things I think Peter's held up for us that doing good entails. Number one is practical holiness. It's pursuing practical holiness. Think of what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15, way at the beginning of the letter. But as he who called you as holy, you also be holy, In all your conduct. So how do we do good as we suffer? We pursue holiness. We pursue by God's grace putting off sin and putting on Christ like behavior. Number two, we serve other believers. We serve other Christians. We love other believers. First Peter chapter four, verses eight through ten. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality one another without grumbling, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. So when we're suffering it's not a call to retreat it's a call to pursue holiness and it's a call to run after loving and serving other believers. Number 3, pursuing it also means blessing the lost people around us. Bringing a blessing to the lost people around us. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 9. He's already told us this. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. So even for those who persecute us, we are to be a blessing to them. And number four, doing good involves pointing the lost people to Christ, pointing the lost to Christ. We might call this evangelism. First Peter chapter two, verse nine. We looked at this one earlier. You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of 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 him who called you out of darkness into his Marvelous light, that God has called us in the midst of our sufferings to keep proclaiming to those around us who do not know him his excellencies, his sovereignty, his faithfulness, his power, his goodness. On and on we go. We're to proclaim his excellencies. So go back to our verse today, to verse 19. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while pursuing holiness, while serving other believers in the church, while blessing the lost, while pointing the lost to Christ. And friends, isn't that what Jesus himself did as he suffered? He never sinned. He walked in perfect holiness. He served his disciples. He loved them well, even up to his final breath. He asked his father to forgive those who were hurting him. He pointed people to the truth of him being the way. And he even was willing to wash the feet of the one he knew was about to betray him. Jesus modeled for us doing good and sufferings by pursuing holiness, by serving other believers, by blessing the lost, and by pointing the lost to Christ. And now we are called... To do the same. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful Creator while doing good. So, friends, this text is all about a, ch- a call to us to when we suffer, to find hope in God's nature, to think about his sovereignty, to think about his power, to think about his faithfulness, and from that place to find the strength to continue to serve Him. I want to challenge you this morning with something that I read this week. It was a quote from Charles Spurgeon. If you're not familiar with Spurgeon, he was a pastor in London in the 1800s and perhaps one of the greatest pastors who ever lived. And Spurgeon said something that just stopped me this week and I've been chewing on for the last several days. He said this, they who dive in the sea of affliction bring up rare pearls. They who dive in the sea of affliction bring up rare pearls. Friends, 15 of our 45 messages in 1 Peter have been about the reality of suffering That means we will all be in the sea of affliction at different seasons and different times of our life. The question for us is when we find ourselves in the sea of affliction, do we fight it? Do we grumble about it? Do we complain? Do we get bitter at God and bitter at others? Do we question God? Do we pursue sinful responses when life is hard? Or do we joyfully embrace it and jump into that sea, dive into that sea to bring up the rare pearls of a hope and confidence that God is sovereign The rare pearls of a hope and a confidence that God is faithful, the rare pearls of a a steadfastness in our life, knowing that God is all powerful and will always accomplish His will. When we find ourselves, friends, in the sea of affliction, when we dive into that sea and bring up the rare pearls of an unusual hope and unusual confidence that God is with us in that sea, that God is blessing us in the midst of that sea of affliction, that God is working good for us and for others and for Himself, and that ultimately God will bring us through that sea to Him. Friends, when we suffer, do we drown in that sea? or are we joyfully diving in to bring up the rare pearls? Would you pray with me? Father, we are thankful that your word does not mince any words to us, that you don't sugarcoat life and make it seem like life's gonna be easy and just a fun journey always we're thankful that you're real with us. And you show us the realities of the hardships of life. But God, you show us that you're bigger than those hardships. You show us that you are on your throne, ruling and reigning. And this world is not spinning out of control. And our lives are not spinning out of control. But Lord, you are working good for us and for others. And ultimately for your glory. And so Lord, as we walk through this life, Lord, we realize, as your word tells us, we will be in that sea of affliction at different seasons and at different times. And so Lord, we ask for much, much grace to have this very unusual response of joyfully diving into it, trusting that you're sovereign, trusting that you are faithful, trusting that you are all powerful. And Lord, I pray that you would be anchoring us in that, that we would be a people who do not have a God of our own imagination, but a God who is who you are, who you have revealed yourself to be. So Lord, would you give us a hunger for your word, a hunger to know you for who you really are, not how we want you to be. And Lord, I pray that as we go deeper into knowing you for who you really are, that we will find an unusual strength and joy and peace and confidence that guides us through those hardest seas of affliction that we walk through in this life. Lord, we cannot manufacture that. This is so unnatural. This is so something that we cannot produce. Or this is a work of grace that only you can do in us. So as we think about these things, we come to you this morning not saying, Lord, we're going to try harder this week. Lord, we come to you in complete and utter dependence going, Lord, We're not sovereign. We don't even know what today's going to hold, but you are. But we are not faithful. You've seen all of our faithlessness all this week, but you are always faithful. And God, we see how weak and limited and finite we are, but we recognize, God, that you are all powerful. So today, would you turn our focus from ourselves and from our circumstances and our situations to understand how glorious and great and faithful and powerful and amazing you are. And I pray that would be our rock and our anchor no matter what is to come this week or in the years to come. Lord, give us your grace to grow us and mature us in who you desire for us to be. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand, please? We're going to sing a closing song today. It's a song, It Is Well With My Soul. And this song, friends, acknowledges the reality of suffering that we've been talking about. We're talking about when sorrows like sea billows roll. We're talking about Satan buffeting and trials come. That's the sea of affliction that Peter's been talking about all throughout this letter. Yet yeah, this song is full of the very hope we've talked about. But this blessed assurance control. This is a song about our confidence in Christ, that Christ has regarded our helpless estate and has shed his own blood <coughs> Excuse me, for our soul. So friends, let this song be your prayer, your prayer of asking God to give you grace to be able to say this and asking God to grow you in having this perspective as we dive into those seas of afflictions in this life. Let's worship the Lord together.
2: In peace, like a river, unscathed by a wave. In sorrows, like sea.
3: Father, for those who are able to sing that with joy and confidence and know with assurance in their heart it is well with my soul, they can only sing it because of your grace that enables that perspective. So I pray for them, Lord, do you turn their hearts today to incredible thankfulness and awe and wonder that in the midst of the uncertainties of life, they can say with well, certainty it is well with my soul. Oh, we recognize in a room of this size where there are some here today who cannot with confidence say what we've just sung and mean it. Some may not know you. And Lord, if that's anyone here who cannot say is well with my soul, who looks upon fearfulness of the day that Christ you return because they know they stand guilty, would you today be drawing them to yourself? That they would call out in repentance and faith today before it is too late so that by the time they lay their head on their pillow tonight, they can experience what many of us have sung saying, it is well with my soul. Lord, if there are believers who are here today who are struggling in those seas of affliction because the enemy's schemes have turned their eyes away from your sovereignty and your power and your faithfulness. Today, Lord, would your Holy Spirit be turning their hearts back to see you for who you are, so when they lay down tonight, with all the uncertainties of tomorrow still before them, they can say, it is well with my soul. Lord, thank you, thank you that in your grace you are... Desiring for us to be a people who can proclaim that and live that way. And Lord, I pray that we would all be able to say that and to worship you knowing that you are holding our very lives. Help us this week and trust our souls to you. And help us this week pursue Christ's likeness as we know that you are the one walking with us. We ask it all for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, Gateway family. Have a good Sunday afternoon.